This is an AMI podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Double Tap. It is Thursday, it's the 8th of February 2024. Coming up today, changes to iOS 17.4 affecting the EU and more. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Yeah, you can always tell when I can't think of anything else to say. Uh, hello, Sean Priest. How are you? <laughs> I thought it was a glorious intro, Stephen Scott. Well done, you. I'm very well. Thank, thank you. you. I am, as you know, mm. a hero. You are. Uh, yeah, hello, hello everybody. Welcome to It for Another Day. It. Uh, that sounded like AI there, didn't it? <laughs> Welcome to It, revolutionising technology news. Well Insights done. from Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. That's how you know if it's written by AI. If any blog post starts with or includes the word revolutionising or insights, mm. that is guaranteed it's been written by AI. There are key markers you can tell. You I can absolutely tell. agree. You know what? I was going through my favourite um, takeaway delivery app and I found a new place. I thought, I'm going to try this out. Let me check the reviews. And 90% of them had exactly the same phrase in them. Uh, Arrived hot and very good comfort food. I thought, okay. And And that was just the driver. If you you see that (laughs) in every room, you think, yeah, that's a bot. That's definitely not true i got to say, I didn't find it very comfortable sat in the bathroom all night. But anyway, let's leave that Oof, there. Wow, well, moving on. Uh, yeah, let's... Uh, you need the same problem, I think. It's an age thing. I think it's an age thing. Um, so, uh, it's interesting, talking of words, I uh, found the most weird... <laughs> talking of words, I, I, what a link. Talking of words. Um, I was uh, plugged in my... I had unplugged my uh, Focus 40 Braille display for a little bit because I was moving it around. You know you know me, I'm always shifting stuff. Anyway, I plugged it back in and uh, I was, I'd was i gone into VoiceOver Utility to just check it was connected. And as soon as you connect, it does say connected, which is great. If you're in the utility, only there. Uh, anyway, I forgot that I was there and I got a call and, you know, get distracted. And I came back and I go to the display and I'm like, what is this display saying? I'm like, I know that's the word, but that doesn't feel right. Why Uh-oh. is it saying that? And it said freedom. And I'm thinking, hang on, is this a, is this a Scottish Braille display? Freedom! <laughs> but actually, no, if I just read on, it said scientific after it. So it's basically it's telling me its name, which is fine. I just kind of for a minute thought, wow, what a patriotic little device I have here. You've, it knows what it is. You've got a Braille display from every nation, haven't you? You've got a French one. <laughs> You've got a Scottish one. Freedom! Very Freedom! Cool. And one that goes, hello, I am French. Oh, I am a happy display. That was my fault. Uh, I can only apologise, yeah. listeners. Sorry. You know, only one lazy pin that won't pick itself up. That's the only problem. <laughs> only issue. Stop it. So far. Yes. Uh, no, I'm serious. There's one one lazy pin that just won't come up. And I've done it. And it's funny because you go through, there's like a test you can do, which is so funny in the manual. It says, exercise the pins. feels like I'm going to a yoga class for Braille. <laughs> the only exercise yeah, we're going to do. That's the, only one, yeah, the only exercise I'm doing is on my Braille display. Uh, and yeah, it actually allows the pins to just basically go up and down. Did it help? And that's all it does. No. no. Still stuck. Uh, right. I did did consider cleaning a pair of tweezers. Yeah. No, a pair of tweezers. Um, but then I remembered electricity. Um, well, unplug it. 
I mean, it's only a battery. It's not going to... Obviously, this isn't any advice I give to any of our listeners, but basically stick a fork in it, Stephen Scott. What could go wrong? Oh, excellent advice. (laughs) Excellent advice. Yeah. Fried. That's what it stands for today. Let me make that perfectly clear, that advice. Oh, so you you want me to zap myself with... How many volts do you have? 240 volts in this country? A little jolt. That is shocking. Well, don't plug it in. A little jolt. Don't plug it in is what I'm (laughs) saying. No, 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 you don't do that. No, you're right. No, I I haven't done that, but I am thinking of sending it away for a repair. Because why wouldn't you, right? I mean, you know, it's like... I know it's only one pin, but... You know, it does make you think, hang on, charfer? What is charfer? Yeah. Oh, charger. Well, right, okay, I get you. At your stage in your Braille journey, Stephen's got, it's enough to throw you off, right? And, and who needs yeah. it? You want to be secure that, okay, at least I know it's not it's me and not the Braille display. And hey, I'm interested in this whole eBay experience because I left eBay a long time ago. I thought, you know, it's just not worth the hassle of, am I going to get what I'm paying for and all this sort of stuff? But, Am I going to get anything? That's another one. Well, yeah, exactly. That, just never turn up. And when it comes down to selling things, you know, the amount of times, especially if you're smelling a, a smelling, if you're smelling Smell. a smartphone, <laughs> you, you you get so many emails wow. saying, "Oh, can you send it here? Can you, you know, I'll give you extra money. I'll give you a check for a thousand pounds if you send it directly." I don't want to deal <laughs> with all that. But no. you actually had a good experience with this, and you did get a bargain. I did. Uh, I don't know who the French person was I spoke to, but uh, they were very pleasant. Uh, good updates. Um, quite keen to make sure I got the, the item safely, which was great. That kind of gave me the confidence that I knew it was coming. Yeah. It was taking a while, and then I, I was following the tracking, and it was saying it was arriving in the UK. Uh, you know, I'm not going to get political, but you know, there's this little thing that's happened between us and the EU that's kind of you know upset things a little bit recently, oh. and it's kind of co- it's cost me fifty quid just to get this thing here. Yeah, ridiculous. You do need it to remember been the case that. before. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, I actually don't know if that was the case before, so it may well have been. But uh, certainly is the case now. I'll tell you that. Um, anyway, uh, let's move on because I want to talk about uh, some of the emails we've got uh, because later today on the show we're going to be hearing from Pratik Patel, who's joining us to talk all about iOS seventeen point four. Some of the big changes that are coming uh, in the next couple of months when the when the new version is released. At the moment, it's in beta. So a lot of the things you're hearing about, perhaps you're hearing on media, oh, big changes to iOS. Well, they're not coming in just yet, but they are not far off. I think we're a month away from these changes coming in. Uh, And these will impact on people in the EU, but not so much around the world. And I don't really or fully understand all this. So I reached out on social media and said, look, does anybody know anything about this? Because I know nothing. Most people came back and said, we know that and just left it there. And other people came back, like Pratik, and said, I'll come on and talk. So uh, Pratik, thank goodness, uh, is coming on today. He's going to share his insights into all this. Uh, he's someone who knows his onions when it comes to all this. So we're going to get uh, into the detail with him and hopefully understand a bit more about these changes coming into the EU, what it actually means for developers and for consumers. So that all coming up. But for now, emails. emails. We get emails. We, we get your emails every day. Every day. Here's your mail today. Hey. Yeah, it feels like a kid's show every time we do da, this. Da, it's da, ridiculous. Da, 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 da. People they love it, I'm sure. Keep, Please don't email in saying you hate it. Every time I hear that, and it's funny because we've just passed it, but Groundhog Day, that's that. Every time I hear that, I think of Groundhog Day. Oh, sing movie. it. Strike up the music, the band has begun. It is the something the polka. polka. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's the one. Well done. Great film, by the way. 
Oh, it's a great movie. The only thing is, once you've seen it once, you feel like you've seen it a thousand times. Oh, no, that was absolutely terrible. Quickly, let's move on. Emails. Yeah, thank you. Right, let's move on. Uh, let's get to the emails. Stan got in touch about uh, positive... Ex- We've been talking so much about our bad experiences recently. Stan wanted to get in touch and share some positive experiences he has had. Greetings from Medford, Oregon. This is Dan Warren Luttrell. And you can feel free to use this message or not. Anyway... I wanted to share something that was a really positive experience for me. And this happened several years ago. And I need to explain that I was the only blind person in my high school graduating class. Many years ago, because as I've said before, I am a certified fossil. Some people may think I'm certifiable, but that's another story (laughs) for another day. But several years ago, a group of us decided to get together in a town in California, and we went to a barbecue place. And while we were there, someone decided to pay for our meals. And there were probably about five or six of us there. And that was a really neat gesture. When the waiter came over, all the individual said was, feel free to pay it forward. And that was a really neat experience. I think when we all talk about the bad experiences that everyone has had, Mm -hmm. uh, it's nice to have something that is really good and uplifting because we all need to be uplifted from time to time. Take care and have a wonderful day. Thank, thank you very much, Stan. I appreciate that. My wife has said many times I should be uplifted. I'm not entirely sure if she means the same thing you mean, Stan. Um, but uh, <laughs> what a nice story! To the story, trash, though. I think, that's... is basically the sentiment behind that. Um, I, that's a nice story, isn't it? I, I totally is agree. it. No, it is. Of course, it is. Oh, look, okay. look, yes, it is. What a free barbecue! I'd love that. Uh, I've always said, I've always said, the majority of people are just nice. They're helpful. They're great. I think that is an exception to the rule. That's going over and above, right? Paying for five or six people's meal. Um, I don't know how some people may feel about that, but I think, you know, the intention was generally nice. And likewise, I think the the negative experiences that we get where people are outright, if not aggressive, then um, rude or dismissive, I think they are fairly few and far between actually i must say yeah well it's interesting because my wife had this experience she was out with a friend and the same thing happened all of a sudden her bill was paid and she had no idea why um and then funnily enough someone who had also visited the same restaurant this was kind of freaky if you ask me but same restaurant totally different time totally different people also had their bill paid by someone there i thought is someone just sitting there waiting for blind people to turn up and they just pay their bill for them. Right, I want the I mean, name. it's a nice thing. I want the address. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, look, you could see it two ways, right? You could think, well, okay, two women on their own. Hmm, okay. Yeah. Um, not with Stan, obviously, but, you know, it's, it's a, I don't know. I, I think it's one of those things where, I mean, look, of course, it's a nice thing. Of course. I mean, it, does, there's no, it doesn't have to be some suspicious reason. However, I can imagine some people in our community, not me, but I can imagine some people being like, well, you know, if you want true equality, then you don't want that because that's pity. Uh, you know, you, would, you, would you do this for anybody else? And I don't know. I mean, I can see the viewpoint. I don't agree with it necessarily, well, but I can see that view. That's why I said, you know, it's, it, the intention was probably a good one. But some, I, yeah, yeah, I can understand that. As well. oh, I, I, sorry, I don't need you to pay for mine. But I think that's a little bit, you know, a little bit trite. I think you just say, yeah, Thank I you think, very yeah, much. very individual, very individual situation, right? Yeah. I mean, I think some cases you can maybe tell when someone's being a little bit patronising towards you, and you can feel it. And you feel the need to push back. And other times, you know, if someone does it and doesn't really make a big deal of it, the people I often respect the most, and of course the, the, the reality is you don't know because they don't tell you, but the, the ones that I respect most are the ones who don't go out of their way to talk about, you know, oh, I did this for charity today and I did this. Yeah, and of course. The ones who just do it and just walk away, I've got a lot of respect for that, actually. Yeah. A lot of respect for that. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Stan. Nice one to open up. Uh, Bev got in touch. Uh, Bev's in Canada and uh, wanted to ask a question that I, I'm really keen to get the answer from you guys about because I think we can all chip in here with this. Not me. Uh, I've got some ideas. But anyway, here's Bev's question. Hello, Stephen and Sean. Happy New Year to all you double tappers. I have hundreds of music CDs, mostly country music, and would like to copy each Ooh. to an external drive so I can take my music with me as I travel. I already have over 1,000 songs on my iPhone, but would prefer another method of listening. I want to copy selected songs off each CD and want to be able to play them back in random order. My laptop does not have a CD-ROM drive, so I purchased a single RW drive and connected it to my computer. Does anyone know of an app or program that will allow me to copy my music and play back randomly? I thoroughly enjoyed last year's various perspectives on losing one's vision. It's a subject that is so personal and unique to each individual that sharing such experiences may benefit others in similar situations. Although not specifically tech-related, the subject certainly has an influence on one's future and the tech required to survive as a blind person. I look forward to more information discussion and a little bit of tech news. Keep up the good and positive work. Thanks in advance. Bev in Canada. Yes, Stephen. Last fall, we again made our own fruitcake recipe. We varies each making and was delicious over Christmas and New Year's celebrations. Mm -hmm. I would send you a slice, but we ate every last crumb. Our son, who is a chef, refers to our fruitcakes as doorstoppers. (laughs) <laughs> that's the kind of cake I like well it's not an actual doorstop you know it's been used well, that way yeah. then that is fine even well, it's got sugar on it yeah exactly add some sugar right it's, it's, it's like dust it's like uh, fun dust <sighs> so, wow okay uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay I don't know where that came time from. to stop speaking Stephen um, <laughs> yes <laughs> time for no more words ripping <sighs> CDs now, I haven't done this in uh, at least a decade, even more than that. So I don't know what's accessible anymore. The thing I used to use was called CDDA Extractor. That was a thing. Very fast, very easy. Grab the tags from the internet for, to name everything. It was very good. But is that accessible? At that time, I was probably using magnification. So I have no idea. I am out of the loop when it comes to this. So this is going to be one for our listeners, I think. I want to put it out to people because I, I mean, I immediately think about Windows Media Player as the obvious kind of place to go to. It's probably the most accessible option, but there will be better options, I'm sure. So get in touch, tell us your thoughts. And of course, this will go across Mac and PC, but do let us know your recommendations on this. 
because uh, iTunes was okay, never brilliant though. Uh, so, yeah. you know, it was never one that you'd recommend necessarily. And I know a number of blind people that would say over the years, <laughs> I'd use anything else but iTunes. But I'm a lot of people of do use iTunes. Yeah, but I well, you know, could never there's get a couple of reasons it. why you, yeah, but you could use it if you were, if you set it up properly. So for example, if you set it up so that when you import a CD, it would just, or sorry, put a CD in, it would automatically import it and then eject the CD when done. Yes. And because it's such a library behind it, you could almost trust that it was going to, on average, most of the time, get all the the, the data right. So it would it would put the text, you know, for the title and the artist in there properly, all that metadata. Um, that was good. But beyond that, yeah, I mean, if you want more control over it and select CDs and selected tracks, yeah, you know, it gets a bit more tricky. So yeah, it, it, ideas, please, recommendations. I think this is a great topic. So thank you for bringing it up, Bev. Uh, feedback at double tap on air.com one eight seven seven eight zero three four five six seven. Elijah has got in touch with us about accessible Minecraft. Hello. I have never really been very much into gaming, but recently I found a mod that makes Minecraft accessible. For those who are not familiar with it, Minecraft is a game where you can mine and gather materials, craft and build a lot of things and explore the world. And you also have to survive monsters and other hazards. The mod allows you to move the camera or the direction your character is looking using the keyboard and it will speak which block your character is looking at. It also adds keyboard commands for breaking blocks, placing and interacting with blocks, managing your inventory and crafting, getting other information about your surroundings and some other things. It also makes sounds for valuable ores, objects you can pick up or creatures around you and if you're wearing headphones, the sound comes from the direction of the object. The sounds from the game itself are also directional, so you can hear where they're coming from, and it must be surround sound or some kind of spatial audio because the accuracy is way better than stereo. And I am still learning and practicing, but so far I have found the game very playable, and I have even fought a few monsters successfully, although I still have trouble with that sometimes. The mod works well on both Windows and Linux, and it is called Minecraft Access or Blind Accessibility on CurseForge. There are installation instructions on its website, and although it was a little difficult to install, the instructions were very helpful. There are also lists of keyboard commands and other documentation. If you try to install it, make sure you also install the Architectury mod, or else it will not work. It talks through your screen reader, and it works with JAWS, NVDA, and Narrator on Windows, or Speech Dispatcher on Linux. You can also play on servers just fine, without other people having to install the mod. I have also received my Celeste glasses a few weeks ago, and so far I am very impressed. I'm still figuring some things out, and since they are in beta, there are some improvements that could be made. But there is a big update to the app coming soon that should make them even better. And after that comes through and I test them more, I will send a review. From Elijah. Oh, please do. That would be very interesting yeah. to hear about. We're speaking to Shub Mittles soon on the show from Celeste. We'll get an update on uh, progress with the company and the rollout and all of that. Uh, some interesting developments to talk about with Shub. But uh, yeah, I'd love to get your take on this, Elijah. That would be really interesting. As for accessible Minecraft, you know, you, you may as well have just spoken in Greek to me because I really <laughs> didn't understand much of that. But I'm not meant to, I don't think. You must have heard of Minecraft, though. I've, I've, well, I've heard of it. I don't really know much about what it is. Incredibly but I, I successful. It's, it's very much a sandbox yeah. game. You can do and build and do pretty much whatever you want. And the mod scene around it is huge as well. So people can change it to do to be different games almost. So the fact that there's a mod out there to make it accessible, absolutely fantastic. The community around Minecraft is cool, but there is a bit of work. It isn't a simple case of going into settings and getting someone to turn accessibility on. Mm. As you said there, you've got to make sure this other mod's installed. So, uh, you know, it's a bit advanced, but the fact that it exists, cool. 
listen, I'm just glad people know about these things, right? That's what the show's about. Yep. There's things that will come up that we don't know anything about. It doesn't make any difference. You guys can talk about it and, and you guys can learn from each other. And that's all that's that's all that matters, really. The fact is that these tools exist. And I think, I, I, honestly, I'm so, I, I'm never going to use the word inspired, but I kind of am inspired a little bit You've by these it. people who oh. just, I know, but but it's true, right? And we can use it in our own world, right? Because you cannot listen to people like Elijah and others, you know, Kyler who comes on and, and talks. Yes. You know, these guys are so on it yep. with this stuff. And, you know, they are the, the future. They are the, the world. Yes. They are the children. Yes. They are the They'll make a better uh, day, I believe. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> and and other lyrics. We totally spoiled the whole point by taking it down that route. <laughs> You're absolutely, it's absolutely true. Look, the, the things that these guys do I mean, are way past anything that I can do. And the fact that they're able to do it, and yes, it takes a bit of work, a bit of research, a bit of digging into, but there are resources out there. Absolutely fantastic, and thanks for the info. I used Autocomplete on the Mac the other day, and I thought I had uh, found a cure for some (laughs) horrific disease. It's absolutely true, though, just simple things like that. Again, we've talked about this so many times of people just assuming, oh, you know, you should know that already. There's so many things out there that no idea about that make a huge difference yeah absolutely uh, okay let's get uh, an email from kirk who wants to ask about keyboard and mouse recommendations hi Stephen and sean i hope all is well with you both i'm wondering if you could recommend a budget-friendly quality wired or wireless low vision keyboard for an imac m1 and recommendation on mouse i currently have the apple black keys keyboard and trackpad but i'm not a super skilled keyboarder and find it very difficult to see the keys if i need to glance at them i plan on learning voiceover To be honest, I'm not a fan of the Apple keyboard and trackpad, so any recommendation would be appreciated. Thank you. Regards, Kirk Wheatley. P.S. My Victor Reader Stream Mm. 2 has been glitching since the release of the 3. Can't download podcasts. Planned obsolescence? Hmm. 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 Okay. (laughs) Well, I know that that HumanWare are moving over to, or not moving over to, but they're using TuneIn. But on the Victor Reader Stream 3rd gen, you can also use, and I love saying this, Utunes. My, I think it's because of the way it says it. It just Utunes. <laughs> it really Utunes. forces that ooh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Utunes is the is the library that it uses on the second gen, and it's still on the third. Uh, and I'm able to download and get podcasts off it on the three. But um, I, you know, what? I'll, I'll try that out. Actually, I'll, I'll try that out and let you know how I got on, Kirk, because uh, I'll, I'm going to power up the old two because you know, got to get some Audible books down. Can't use the three. It's got to use the two. So oh. I'll test the podcast. Nothing's well. ever easy, is it? I'd be interested no, to know if is. anyone else is having issues with their stream two and podcasts. Let us know. Yeah, let us know. Uh, goodness me, we're starting to turn into one of those shows, right? Oh. Tell us your thoughts. Um, <laughs> it's, like, it's like we're doing this professionally. How dare you? Stop that immediately. So uh, to your keyboard question, now look, the answer to everything is, as far as I'm concerned, Logitech MX keys. Mm. But you did say budget. Uh, and you said wired as well. You know, it's interesting because there's lots of options out there. And I guess if you're looking to get into this, um, the, the, there's a couple that come to mind. And I might refer you, Kirk, to the Double Tap Gift Guide from last year. It's still available on the website. Just search for Gift Guide. And you'll be able to search in. So once you go to that page, you can actually search the gift guide itself. Just type in keyboard. There were lots of suggestions. The ones that come to mind were from uh, iClever. I think Rebecca referred to that one. Yeah. Um, that's the one that sticks in my mind. It was quite a cheap keyboard, but it was a full-size keyboard. And I think if that, I'm right in saying that one could connect to like four devices on Bluetooth. Nice. Um, 
which was kind of, I think that was the one, but there was Satechi as well. That's the one I often refer to, which is they have a range of wired and wireless. Uh, I would avoid the Microsoft ones. I know that Microsoft have moved away from their own branded uh, accessories. They used to have their own, but they now have moved away from that. And who was the company? Incase, I think, was the company that have taken that over. Yeah. Uh, so they're bringing out them, but they're, they're very PC specific. Um, I'm trying to think beyond that because the problem is everything I try is always like the mechanicals and all the rest, but there's not a lot. But, but there are a lot expensive. of options out there. Yeah, but there are a lot of options out there that are cheaper I... that you can use. And wired is a good shout, actually, because, you know, you don't get the lag and all that. So, oh, Do you really get a lag on a keyboard? Do you notice? Not not, not really, no. But, but there's something about a wired keyboard. You just feel like you're... Yeah. It feels like firmer ground, you know? Yeah, no, I, I do agree. Um, I, I, when it comes to keyboards, I'll be honest with you, If I honestly don't care what keyboard I'm typing on most of the time. It, it doesn't matter to me. Once it's, it's all about the layout. You know, once I get familiar mm. with the layout, the key sort of style, sponginess, mechanical, honestly, I get used to pretty much anything. It doesn't matter. But if you do care about that, you, I, I think you've really got to get hands-on with something. You know, go to one of these big box stores and, and try it's hard it. though, isn't it? It is hard, because there's then, not a lot of choice now. Well, I mean... I've, there's a lot of choice, but you can, not in like stores. It depends where you are. It does. And I'm not opposed to ordering a few online. Send them back. And yeah. testing the ones out and sending them back. Um, I, I do that quite often. And why not? You're allowed to do that. And, you know, it makes sure you pick the one you actually want to use. I'd certainly look at iClever. I'd look at Satechi. And especially the wired ones, because those are much cheaper. So if budget is is really important and that's the key and that's driving everything, then you want to look at those kind of, of makes, those kind of brands, I think. Um, I'll have a think, though, Kirk. If anything else comes to mind, I'll let you know. And, and certainly if anybody else has any suggestions, please do. Let us know. <laughs> one, of the, one of the other things that I'll say is, uh, you know, it depends on what you want, but some of the, the wired ones also have the numpads as well. That can be really useful, especially with the Mac. Because we've talked about this before, but the numpad commander on the Mac is a great way to navigate. Yeah. And it can really take a lot of the pain out of, I mean, especially web browsing. I, I, I could not browse the web, I don't think, quite as efficiently as I can, you know, with that numpad. It's just amazing. Yeah, so, so you, good. If you're going to start learning voiceover, I would recommend you get a full-size keyboard with a numpad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, very useful. Uh, let's get an email, or this is a voicemail actually, from Felix on our uh, decision to move to YouTube. Hello, Double Tapper. This is Felix, and um been a while, but I hope you guys are all doing well. And uh, I was thinking about the new YouTube stuff, and um, you know, thank you for uh, explaining it all, and it would be a good idea. But I feel like we might have done a full circle, because I remember when I first started listening to this show, um, when it, well, both shows, when one was um, Double Tap, of course, and the other one was, of course, Blind Guy Talks Tech. We had Double Tap TV, uh, which was, um, which of course, now we know Access Tech Live. But now but now you guys are going back on YouTube. Are you guys going to call it Double Tap TV? Because that would be the <laughs> obvious choice. Or will it be, I don't know, Double Tap Extra? I mean, what is it going to be called? Because, uh, you know, I'm happy if you guys were to call it Double Tap TV. It means that we're back to where we started several years ago. But anyway, really enjoy the show, guys. Keep it going. And, uh, you know, do what you guys can do, um, at, you know, when you can. Because obviously we understand you guys have lives and it does get well, much. Yeah, I don't. So uh, keep doing what you guys do. Love it. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, this is Felix from London, UK. 
Oh, now. oh that London, there, London. Oh, thank there, you, London. Felix. Um, I, I think basically Must what, be a millionaire. what Felix is saying there is <laughs> we stop flip-flopping <laughs> all over the place, <laughs> which is a fair point. Yeah, we're like one of those fish that just come out of water and just flap around all over the place uh, until we meet our eventual end. Um, so <laughs> that's quite a good analogy, wow. actually, I think about that. But bit dark, but, you know, yeah. I suppose it tells a story. Okay, explain um, everything, Stephen. Oh, well, look, I mean, so the thing was, we, Double Tap TV was Double Tap TV, and, and it was a different thing. It was, well, intended to be a different thing. That has now morphed into what is now Access Tech Live, and that's your weekly live TV show on AMI-TV and on YouTube. Uh, and uh, that is is very much a separate thing. So let's just park all that on YouTube. You know, we we had a chat about this. Good old, uh, you know who? Yeah. Well, you know, we had a chat about this. I had great name ideas for this. Do you know, what I wanted to call, I wanted to call it Double Tap X. Oh, that that could cause issues. Because you know, it's like, is it extra? Is it exclusive? Is it extraordinary? Yeah. Is it extinct? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> you know, what is it? And uh, the end result was, screw that. Just call it Double Tap on YouTube because that's what it is. Okay. And I actually, you know, I, I go with that. So that's that was the decision. It was called Double Tap on YouTube. So it's, it doesn't really have a name. It's just Double Tap. It's just Double Tap wherever you find us. Yeah, but it, it, you need to know so you can search for it. What do you search for? Ah, well, ah. you search for Double Tap Video. Yeah. And I will be honest, at the moment, you might find difficulty finding it <laughs> yes. because we're a bit new. Well, we're new, right? We're new. So it's, we're not kind of up there you. with the... Oh, well, well, okay, we're not new, no. but the channel's new, Thank put you. it that way. So if you do struggle to find us, obviously we've got a link on our website. You can go there, you can find us. Just go to doubletaponair.com and uh, we will uh, make a big prominent link for you to find us on YouTube. You can just go straight to the channel and subscribe. Um, but if you want to search for us in a device or whatever, then it's Double Tap video is what you want to search for because we can get we couldn't get double tap youtube or whatever it was called on the on the thing it's hard to get those channel names because it's great we should have started this 12 years ago and would have been fine as ever just add the word blind to anything and you're more likely to jump yeah. straight to us put our names in oh that's a good idea well done yeah i can't believe we're teaching people how to use a search engine <laughs> there's just so much stuff on there that's why yeah i know <laughs> was it where did i hear this three billion videos a day is that right? Probably three not. Billion but it's videos not or far three million views. It's something like that it goes up per day. No, that's that's no, that's not us. Uh, that's what goes up onto the site every day. I think it's three million or three billion. I can't remember. It's some ridiculous amount of videos that goes up every single day. So if you can find us in amongst it, congratulations! Double tap videos where you'll get it on YouTube. Hope that helps. Right, look, stick around. Coming up next, we're going to be learning all about the changes to iOS seventeen point four and negative Julian's here with some comments from me. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. Call the Double Tappers now, 1-877-803-4567 or email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. Okay, before we get to Pratik Patel, who's joining us to talk all about iOS 17.4 and the big changes that are coming up to the EU, uh, I want to play this uh, email. It's quite a long one. Laura's read this out, but it's uh, from Negative Julian, and he wants to, uh, I guess, challenge me on a point I made right. about launchers on Android. Oh. Hello, everyone. I had intended to avoid emailing you again this side of 2024, but something Stephen said got me going again. Laura, if you have been nominated to read this, my apologies. I suspect it might be quite long. 
Stephen, in reply to my last email, you said that you thought many of the functions of a replacement launcher could be found within the latest version of Android. Well, I do not have a Pixel 8 Pro, but I do have the latest iteration of Android on my Pixel 5. And whilst it does have some customization features, they are very limited. Also, I have found them rather clunky to use and unusually for Google. I even found a couple of unlabeled buttons. Why does this matter? I am now going to make a bold statement. For a visually impaired rather than blind user, the single biggest reason for using an Android smartphone in preference to any other is the possibility of using an alternative launcher. Why does no one ever say that? Stephen and Sean, I will let you off the hook because I realise that both of you are well along towards full blindness, but time and again over the years I have heard some presenter or podcaster invited to give up iOS for a time to try Android. And so many times they have said something along the lines of the big difference between the two systems is their openness to change. Then they go on to make their comparison without ever exploiting that difference. That is like claiming to test a car without ever changing gear. That does matter because it is potentially deterring a visually impaired person from using a valuable tool. Why do I make that bold claim for screen launches? Let me preface this by stating that my recent experience has been with Nova Launcher Prime. Many others are available, including some aimed specifically at the visually impaired. I will give a particular thumbs up to a general one called Pear Launcher. Very similar to Nova, its only big failing was being very slow to redraw the icons on the app drawer after a restart. That may even have been fixed by now. The only ones that I would say to avoid are those that only let you change between pre-designed themes rather than every screen element individually. You want the screens to work for you, not be someone else's idea of what looks nice. What can a visually impaired user change to their advantage with Nova? 1. Change the icons. There are many alternative icon sets in the Play Store, costing either very little or free. Plow through them to find a set that suits your eyes. There are many to go through, but it is worth putting in the time. Having selected your favourites, you have the option to resize them, force legacy icons, i.e. those with no equivalent in the set, to conform to the others, change the spacing between icons, change the grid size, i.e. the number of columns and rows allowed on screen, and much more. 2. Change the colour of the dock. Nova has several predefined colours that can be used as a background to the dock, but you can also choose your own, so the choice is effectively infinite. There are many other changes that can be made to the dock, too many for me to go into here. 3. The background colour of the app drawer can be changed so that it is instantly obvious that you are in the app drawer rather than on the home screen. As with the dock, the choice of colours is infinite. Icon size and spacing can be changed and you can decide if you want text under each icon. Note that if you are a screen reader user, the name of the app will be announced either way, so you might as well eliminate the text. You can also organise apps within the drawer by creating folders or tabs. I think folders work best, but again, it is personal choice. When using tabs, you are effectively creating several drawer pages. Again, I am merely scratching the surface of what is possible here. 4. When creating folders either on the home screen or app drawer, you can choose the folder style, e.g. grid, fan, stack and so on. You could also choose the background colour. In my case, I have the folder open as a grid of icons in a square box with a dark yellow background. Sounds garish, but it works for me. Yet again, there are other options I could rattle on about. There is so much more that I could mention, but poor Laura will be straining her voice. Stephen, I know that it is late in your eyesight journey, but as part of your testing, I urge you to download this software and just go through the options, imagining the benefit that listeners with slightly better vision could get from it. I do not think your evaluation is complete without doing so. Laura, if your voice is up to it, can I make just one more point? 
Why do so few people experiment with this type of app? Well, apart from pure conformity with the Apple mantra of the manufacturer always knows best, I suspect that some of it is fear. We all know that the launcher is a very important part of any smartphone, so some people fear that if they fiddle with it, they may break their phone. Rest assured, that cannot happen. Whatever you do, the manufacturer's original screen reader with all its settings is still sitting underneath and you can revert to it at any time. Nova has an option to select default launcher. Even if your launcher of choice does not have this, it is still very simple. Just go into System Settings, Apps, Default Apps, Home App and choose the one that you want. Note that you can have several different launchers installed and move between them as you like. Also note that if you do not get on with a specific launcher, just delete it. Remember that any app that you install, you can also uninstall. The only launcher that you cannot uninstall is the manufacturer's original one. That is highly protected. To delete it would require major software surgery, specialist software and a skill set well beyond the average user. You cannot ever do it by accident. As long as you download them from the Play Store, custom launches are perfectly safe. My goodness, that was a long one, wasn't it? <laughs> Thanks, Laura. Happy New Year. Negative Julian. Wow. Negative Julian, you have surpassed yourself with that one. That is incredible. What an amazing amount of information in there. I'm so glad you uh, you took the time to write that. And also, huge thanks to Laura as well for reading it. God bless you, Mrs. K. <laughs> I'm not sure I totally agree with this. <gasps> I know. But the thing is, I've said it myself. The gift and the curse of Android is its customizability. There's just so much you can change on an Android phone. But... If we're talking about a general review of a handset or something, should you talk about, oh, well, there's this launcher which would make this out-of-the-box experience better? Uh, For example, if there was a jailbreak for the iPhone or even an app in the App Store which made you or allowed you to customise the home screen the same way as you can with a launcher on Android or whatever it may be to enhance accessibility, if it's a separate thing and not available at system level or out of the box, should you talk about it in a general review? If it's not built into the system, should that, should yeah, that be like talked about thing, as a separate right? Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think you're absolutely right, Julian, that the point should be made. Hey, launchers are a thing on Android that can make a huge difference. You're absolutely right. But I don't know how deeply that should be dived into but but i think i think i think julian's point though is that it's it's almost foundational to the experience so that it it almost should be explained that this is an option i do think it needs to be an addendum to a review it cannot be the sole uh focus of a review because it doesn't really give you the true nature of what it's like to get the device open it up pull it out of the box and and turn it on that's not going to be what you experience so i think fundamental understanding of the basics is good but then obviously being able to add something like this can really customise the experience, which is, to Julian's point, one of the huge benefits of Android. Yeah. You've got that customization, And this is the kind of thing we talk about. When, when we say those, when we throw out that line, oh, it's so customizable. This is what we mean. It's customizable to the point where Julian can have it pitch perfect just for him. And that's why I'm so glad you, you brought this up and you, you detailed the, the value that that Nova launcher brings. That was honestly a brilliant email. I'm so glad it you... Was. You brought this up. Thank you for that. Um, let's move on because I want to talk about uh, iOS 17.4. Big changes coming in the EU in the next month or so. Prateek Patel joins us to explain some of the changes and what they mean to uh, developers, but also to consumers alike. Prateek, great to have you here on Double Tap. Thank you for uh, joining us. 
Thank you so much for having me. Great to have you here. Thank you for uh, reaching out because I had put out this question asking, please, can somebody help me understand what is going on with these updates on iOS 17.4, why everyone seems to be so worked up about them. And of course, the big one is around changes to App Store and payments as well, third-party payments that are coming into the iPhone uh, in Europe, uh, in particular because of new EU legislation. And the EU, again, it seems just sort of demanding more from these tech companies. What can you tell us about these changes and what they actually mean? Sure. So before we do, I think we kind of need to go back and understand what Apple is like at this time in most of the world. Basically, what Apple does is that it has one app store where all the apps reside and all transactions for the apps go through that app store. And currently, Apple charges 30% for large developers and 15% for small businesses that have revenues under, I believe, $1 million a year. Now, a couple of years ago, the European Union started to look at Apple and other app store providers uh, to give them guidelines on what they need to do to be competitive. So they proposed and passed a legislation called the Digital Markets Act. And under that act, Apple was asked to separate how it charges developers in terms of the transaction value. So let, let's say an app costs a dollar. So the credit card charge for that app is typically about 3% in most places. Apple, in addition to that, wants to charge a fee. And the European Union asked Apple to change that and to separate those two out. So iOS 17.4 as it's currently designed and it's in beta right now, is an answer to the guidelines given under the Digital Markets Act. It goes into effect on March 7th when iOS 17.4 comes out. Yeah, so that's essentially Apple's response to this, at least through the software. But what do you know about Apple's response to this internally? I mean, what, what do we know about how Apple feel about this? I can't imagine that Tim Cook is jumping through hoops at the, the prospect of opening everything up on the other side of the planet. No, absolutely not. Uh, Apple's general philosophy has been to keep everything under a single control. And that's, that's App Store, um, you know, with a 30% slash 15% charge. And, you know, based on what they say publicly, at least, it's not only about the money. It's about security. It's about privacy. It's about fraud. It's about control of the operating system. And internally, they've been dragging their feet in how they approach this. Uh, if you look at the press release that came out with iOS 17.4 developer beta, it was sarcastic. Um, <laughs> you know, basically, they're telling the European Union, you wanted this, here's the way you, here's the way you get it. It's a pretty complicated way to approach the issue. So it's interesting to me because I, I try and work out how this will affect users. So what does this mean for people in Europe? Can they now go off and download apps from the Google Play Store on their iPhone? I mean, what, what, what are we talking about here? No. Um, so the way Apple is approaching is you have 
two systems. One is the App Store, the current App Store. And then you can have additional, what Apple's calling marketplaces. People will have to designate or create new app stores, and they will have to apply to become these new distribution centers if they want to post apps uh, for European Union countries. So in theory, we're saying here that someone who has, say, for example, a number of apps already in the Apple App Store could actually have their own app store that they develop themselves to sell their own apps outside of the Apple App Store and therefore get around those fees. Yes and no. Um, it's As I said, it's pretty complicated. So there, there are two, two ways that European Union countries and developers can deal with this. One is to keep everything the way it is, uh, stay in the Apple App Store and not have to deal with any additional bureaucracy. And they keep the 30 slash 15% charges. And then developers have the option of becoming a part of the new business rules in the, in the EU. For that, things change quite a bit. Uh, you can stay in the App Store. In that case, um, they will be charged 20% for large developers or 13% for small developers. In addition to that, they also have the option of choosing their own credit card processor. No matter what they choose here, Apple is going to charge what they call a core technology fee. Uh, that's 50 cents for each download of their app, no matter what the app costs, whether it's freemium app or a paid app. For every download over 1 million download per year. Um, so it becomes a lot more complicated quickly, um, especially for small developers. So even if your app is free, a developer is going to be charged 50 cents per download after a million downloads. What are you reading from that? I mean, it sounds almost like developers are now being penalized further than perhaps they would have been under the existing scheme, which was essentially there's a transaction fee, there's a cost to having the app in the store, and that's it, you know, one system. Exactly. They are being penalized in, in some cases. You know, some people call it a malicious compliance fee for 50 mm. cents. But Apple's philosophy, and I'm, I'm not arguing for one way or the other, Apple's philosophy is that it wants to monetize the work it's done in creating various APIs. Um, they point out in their press releases that over the years, they've created over 250,000 APIs. Um, and year after year update their technologies, keep users safe for privacy, et cetera, et cetera. And it's convenient for them when they have one app store and don't have to enforce multiple rules. But that's, that's their essential philosophy. So where does the third-party marketplace come in? Because in my head, as soon as I heard that, I just imagine there's the potential, I'm just kind of joking around with the Google Play Store, but essentially another app store could emerge on the iPhone. Is that right? Is that, is that what we're talking about? Or is it all contained within the existing Apple App Store, but with different payment method options? No, uh, additional app stores or what Apple calls marketplaces can emerge. Apple is creating requirements for what these app stores are going to look like. Essentially, they're asking whoever wants to create a new app store to 
provide essentially a letter from a designated credit agency of a million euros uh, to make sure that these app stores have the capacity to support its developers. Um, The other requirement is that if you have an app installed, let's say, you know, from the Apple App Store or the Spotify app, Spotify can't override the app if it's already installed from another app store. They would have to convince the user that they need to delete the yeah. app and then and then install another version of the app. And they're trying to do that so that there aren't significant changes that affect the user adversely. There are a couple of other things like the apps have to comply with privacy rules that Apple's already put into place, like do not track. Uh, well, I wanted to ask you about this because that's, of course, a major concern here. Uh, you know, it, it, it always, I always remember the early days of Android. It was like the Wild West. You know, you had so many app stores. You had so many apps just arriving in the app store that were just not vetted, weren't checked. Uh, you know, there were security concerns. Now, Google, of course, tightened up on all of that. But, you know, this could be a fear for us who, you know, want to maybe buy an app that we wanted and the app developers decided to make it available through their own marketplace. What security implications are there? And uh, who's responsible for that? Because if this is the EU demanding this uh, and making it the Apple bring in these changes and Apple are implementing them, who's ultimately responsible to make sure it's all secure? Seems like it's going to be a part responsibility of the new marketplace and Apple. Apple is going to check all the apps that come through, at least in some sense, Uh, all apps are going to need to be notarized by Apple, regardless of where they're marketed. And what that means is that Apple's going to check on some very basic things, at least, that there isn't malicious code, the privacy rules that Apple put in place are complied with. Most of these are going to be automated. The checks are going to be automated, unlike the App Store review that exists at this time. There, yeah, there may be some spot checks done by humans, but most of, it, most of it is going to be automated. So some things may get passed. Is there any benefit in this at all, Pratik, from your, from your understanding of all of this? I understand developers have their view, and that's one thing. But consumers, I think, ultimately have to decide whether or not to, to buy an app and, and find out where it's secure, to buy it from, the payment method, all of these things. You know, I just, I just worry that perhaps there may be... Uh, a lot of implications here for consumers that that haven't yet been realized or have been realized, but you know the systems in place to to mitigate those concerns haven't you know are maybe not satisfying everyone either. Yeah, it, it yeah it it does seem like very complicated, doesn't it? Mm. Um, I think the only case where it makes sense to have an alternative place to download, at at least in this regime as proposed right now, is content restrictions. So Apple doesn't allow, you know, things like porn, you know, certain graphical content. What someone might do is create a marketplace where somebody can download apps that have specific content. And what Apple will not do here is to restrict those apps. So that's the only advantage I see mm. at this time. Otherwise, things just are so much more complicated. There isn't as yeah. much freedom as people wanted 
in this. And, you know, there's no side loading like there is on Android. And that alone creates a barrier that most people don't want. And what about countries like the US, Canada, any country, frankly, outside of the EU? What happens there? Business as usual for them? Business as usual. Nothing changes. There's one thing that does apply globally, and that is gaming streaming apps. So Microsoft or other game providers like Steam, if they want to do it, or NVIDIA's um, gaming service, or Sony, um, they can stream, they can have a single app through which multiple streaming games can be, can be done without Apple interfering. And that's going to apply globally. I don't, I don't actually know if it does benefit anyone. But listening to your take on this and you know, listening to the facts of the case, essentially, I don't really understand the benefits that consumers or developers get. It seems to just make a, a bit of a mess. And it seems to, if I'm honest, potentially open the door to some malicious behavior. And it's, it's just something I think I, I'm concerned about. But I will say, and I think we can maybe give a little bit of reassurance here, I guess, in the sense that we still have control here, right? So we as consumers, even in Europe, will have the control to say, well, I will only buy my apps from the app store. If it ain't on there, I'm not buying it. So at least we know that it's gone through the relevant compliance checks. Absolutely. And each new app store, if there is one, has to be installed separately. And it has to be done through Safari. So Spotify can't create an app store and, and have it be a part of the Apple App Store. Um, mm. You have to go to Safari, uh, Spotify's website. And you know, Safari will, once it checks that it's a, it, it's a legitimate app store, Safari will ask the user if they want to install it. What, what's your sort of final words on this? I mean, is it EU overreach or do you think they've, they've got a point here? I think they have a point. Um, so does Apple. I'm, I'm seeing both sides of this. Give developers as much freedom as possible. Um, but I'm also okay if Apple wants to make some money out of this. I've always been leery of sideloading as a concept and have never really found it useful personally. Not, you know, not saying that others haven't on the Android side. Um, but at the same time, I find it more useful to have a controlled app store, at least on the mobile side. And the way Apple is approaching this is, at least by the letter of the law, correct. We'll see what happens. Uh, this is right now a proposal, uh, and this is how it's implemented now um, and based on you know, some of the cries that we're seeing from European companies like Spotify, it may mm. be that there are going to be some changes to this as well. We shall see how it all plays out. Pratik Patel, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your thoughts on this. It's been really, really illuminating. Thank you for your time. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Such an interesting guy. Thank you uh, for coming on, Pratik, and uh, giving us uh, your take on all this. I must. I still come away, Sean, with this idea that it all seems like a massive overreach, or it's because of the the deal that's essentially been struck here to make this happen. Apple are adding so much 
uh, confusion to this deliberately <laughs> to almost try and discourage developers, you know, which, which absolutely makes sense, but it kind of goes against the spirit of the whole point of this thing, right? <laughs> yeah. What a way to comply to a ruling whilst at the same time making it as confusing yeah. and complicated as possible. I mean, I don't know where developers are going to go with this because the 50 cents uh, per download cost over a million downloads is one thing, but then again, you've got the million dollar credit note needed to even start a marketplace but it looks like the double tap app store is out of the question um yeah <laughs> it's not going to happen anytime soon is it it just makes me think that if they had the chance apple would have come up with a round usb port yes. you know it would be like just just to kind of say it is USB-C, but you know it's the apple USB-C. it's our version absolutely but it complies it's got the name in it um anyway that's it for today thank you so much to everyone who's taken part in the show thank you for all your feedback and emails uh, and i can imagine many of you writing away as we speak uh, with more comments following some of our questions especially that one from bev in canada about cd ripping i'm very keen to know your thoughts on that uh negative julian as well thank you so much for that fantastic email and of course to Pratik Patel for getting in touch and sharing his thoughts on iOS 17.4 remember you can listen to all our content individually as stories on our website doubletaponair.com or on YouTube as well and we'll catch you tomorrow thanks Sean thank you bye bye hello I'm Sean Priest. join me monthly for Sean of the Shed where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people Find Shaun of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.